This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday, everybody. We're back here with the Go 24-7 podcast. Bryce Kuhn alongside Sonny Ship. Sonny is uh, fresh off a morning full of cardio, and my I am myself, so we're going to try to make it through here without cramping up. That sound good, Sonny? I don't know about cramping up, but shortness of breath. If you hear uh, sirens, that's the ambulance coming to get me. (laughs) (laughs) No wheezing. No wheezing at all whatsoever. No, that's good. Listen, we appreciate you tuning in. If you're watching over on YouTube, make sure to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifications bell down below so you know when the latest episode is posted. And also, if you are listening, whether it's Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review and make sure to subscribe there. Completely free to do that. Well... Sunday, this was a big week, and we're about to embark on another big week. Maybe not necessarily for LSU in the sense of this, I'll call it Volume 2 signing day. What used to be the national holiday, uh, Sunday, when I was growing up, as, and I was in high school, I mean, I don't think I paid attention at all during this time of the year when 24-7 would update the rankings, and then February 1st at all. But it's, you know, died down a little bit with that early signing day. But we did have the re-rankings come out this week. You put an article up on... Uh, the site about it, and I kind of wanted just to get your thoughts overall. We're going to dive into some of the players, the biggest risers, the biggest guys that got dropped, um, you necessarily a couple of spots or more. But overall, uh, this is something that I know the national staff puts a lot of work into, and uh, kind of overall, I mean, you've been following this a lot longer than I have on the LSU side of things. If you had to grade it out for the LSU recruiting class, how do you feel about it? I think, I think LSU fans have to be, you know, they have to feel good about the latest, uh, you know, the, the the final top two four seven that came out. Obviously, there's some more players. The, you know, some of the uh, some of the guys who are already four stars, but not in the top two four seven, and some of the guys who were three stars and two stars are also going to be reevaluated leading up to signing day over these next couple of days. So there could still be some minor changes. But I think if you look, just look at the top two four seven overall. You know, LSU had 25 signees. 13 of them landed in the final top 247. All 13 were in the top 247 before this this latest update. So no one got knocked out. And Tiger fans, if you're keeping score at home, Alabama did have two that that got knocked out of the top 247. So we always have the LSU-Alabama conspiracy theories and controversies going on and stuff. So – LSU plus two in that department over the tie. But I think overall, when you look at it, you know, LSU uh, gained 100 total spots. Uh, You know, looking at that from from guys who may have moved up from, say, 210 in the country to, to, you know, 208, and guys who were 210 who dropped to 220. When you did all the math of those 13, LSU gained 100 spots. And so, you know, I I think in in the grand scheme of things, Fans always want their players to be ranked higher. They wouldn't be called fans and fanatics if mm-hmm. they didn't. But in the grand scheme of things, looking at this latest update, I think it was a, I think it was a good update for LSU fans. You know, the one player who who had a significant um, you know drop in his rating and ranking was Shelton Sampson Jr. 
But after his week at the Under Armour, at the Under Armour practices to where, you know, really didn't do much, kind of went in, went, went in a little banged up to begin with. So you have to take that into consideration. But the national guys, they were looking to see, uh, you know, they were looking to see someone get out there, take advantage of the opportunity and really just, you know, go into it with, with all that he had. And I think Samson had a different mindset. Samson had a different mindset where he was a little banged up, looked at it as a vacation, already signed with LSU, didn't feel like he had anything to prove. Mm-hmm. And so, for, you know, for, for someone like myself who has seen him in multiple, multiple settings, a lot more settings than our national guys have, have had a chance to see him in, I don't put as much stock into what happened in Orlando because I, I, I've seen him go out and absolutely destroy other, other teams and other kids. Yeah and seven on sevens and things of that nature. So, you know, and I didn't, and, and that didn't, that didn't just all of, sudden, all of a sudden change my opinion of him then. So my opinion hasn't changed much, you know, based off of what happened at the Under Armour week. But I get it when the national guys who don't have a chance to see kids as much, they want to see them. And when they don't get to see much, you know, of course they're going to, you know, they're going to, uh, they're going to dock them. Mm-hmm. somewhat so but outside of that you know two five stars you went in with two five stars you finished with two five stars uh you had two of you had you had a you had another guy Whit weeks who jumped into the top 100 you had camorian pimpton the tight end the four-star tight end out of texas he didn't jump into the top 100 i believe he landed at 109 i don't have them in yep. front of me but you know he jumped up. I want to say he was two thirteen going in, so he jumped up hundred and four spots right there. Javian Toviano jumped up after his week and uh, in Orlando for the Under Armour. Um, and I'm trying to think another guy, uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had a nice little jump. I want to say about 30, 35 spots or so um, after his week in San Antonio. So, you know, the outside of Shelton Sampson Jr., you know, you had some guys like Colin Jackson, Caleb Jackson. You know, they fell maybe five, six, seven, eight spots. And, you know, when, when you look at situations like that, I know fans hate it, hate to hear this. But, you know, it's not necessarily a case of a guy moving down eight spots. It's a case of it could be a case of a guy just, you know, of guys moving up that prompted that to go down. So overall, I think that this is probably the best that LSU has fared in a final rankings release that we've had in several years. I like what you said, too, because I think a lot of other sites are going to say the same thing when it comes to a guy like Camorian Pimpton. Uh, the guys that fell due to a result of his high rise, it's not because they weren't playing well. It's just that he, he repressed so much during that All-American Bowl. So it kind of gives you a little bit of perspective on that. Uh, let's let's start at the top here. You, we mentioned it with the two five-stars. Uh, Zaylin's heard. I mean, this is a kid that – You've obviously followed him a lot closer. I got a chance to watch some of his film. And to be, I mean, a guy that I was reading some interviews and just things that he's said. Uh, after we saw what happened last year on campus with the two freshman offensive tackles, I mean, have, bringing a guy like Hurd in, just stacking talent at a premium position, I mean, Sonny, that, that's that's huge. And obviously LSU able to get one of the top ones and, and finish out. And then you add in uh, you know, a guy like Deshaun Womack who – Look, that edge position needs a lot of help. You and I talked about that. They need depth there. And to bring in a guy, I mean, to me, two premium positions, and when you look to the NFL draft that's going to be coming here, those are two positions that get paid a lot of money at the next level. And LSU, I mean, if you had to put two five-stars somewhere, obviously you'd love a five-star quarterback. But to get a tackle and an edge rusher, that makes me feel pretty good there at the top of the rankings. Yeah, no doubt. Outside of quarterback, that's probably two of the hottest commodities when it comes to the draft. 
And when it comes to, you know, filling out your roster, if you're going to go and give a buttload of money to someone outside of a quarterback, you want to be somebody protecting that quarterback or you want to be the guy who's in charge of rushing after the quarterback on the other team. And so uh, I'm with you. And, and, and when you look at Zay Lance Hurd, you know, he had a, he had a really, uh, you know, a, a meteoric rise when you look at where he started at, mm-hmm. um, you know, started out as a, just as a, as a, as a four star and, you know, was outside the top two, four, seven, and then started that rise. Once people, once folks got him a chance to, to get some verified measurables on him, six, five and a half, six, six range, uh, just a huge wingspan. And, and and I think something, a part of his game that kind of flies under the radar is that he played defensive line, you know, prior to his, prior to his junior season, he was kind of considered more of a defensive lineman at the time. And there was even some talk that, that he wanted to play on the defensive line when he got to college, obviously all of the offers that start rolling in when everybody mm-hmm. starts telling him, look, do you know how much offensive <laughs> tackles make? <laughs> that kind of changed his perception right there. But you would really, you, if you're LSU, the only downside will really with her is that you would have loved to have been able to get him in for the spring, to be able to get him in there, to be able to get him working out and stuff. It didn't work out that way. Uh, he'll be there during the summer. But I think if you could have gotten him there in the spring, mm-hmm. you could have gotten his feet a little wet, then you might have been able to toy with that possibility of, okay, if Hurd is as good as, as advertised coming in, if he's like Will Campbell and he's like Emory Jones was, well, does this allow us to put Hurd at right tackle and now slide Emory Jones inside? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, LSU doesn't have a big need inside because you got Miles Frazier back, you got Garrett Dellinger back, you got Charles Turner back at center, Marlon Martinez, who could play anywhere along the offensive line. So you have a lot of guys. So that potential move is probably a year or so down the road now, if it, if it would happen. But uh, Womack is on campus, and, and, and that's, a, you know, that's a, that's a big plus to be able to have him on campus. You know, from talking to sources, he came in in, in really good shape and, and looks like a guy who they think that, you know, once he – being here in the spring and then you have the summer, you're able to start putting some weight, put start putting some good weight, start putting some good muscle on him. You know, they feel like he has a legitimate chance to be able to come in and contend for that starting for that starting Jack linebacker spot vacated by BJ Ojolari. I wanted to ask this, just referencing just this, because it's so different when you get a kid in the fall. Okay. So I think the the traditional college student gets there in the fall, still trying to get acclimated. When you get a guy like Womack in the spring, and we talked a little bit about this in our last episode, but to have him by the time he gets to fall camp, Sonny. He's really not. He, maybe some of the newness has worn off. The the, the you know the idea oh, yeah. of the stuff off campus that you have to worry about. You know classes, all that kind of stuff. But obviously, with he's understanding. Hey, this is the scheme that we're running. You know he's uh, he's learned under Matt House for now six five six months, which to me makes me feel a lot more comfortable if he slides slides into that you know Jack linebacker spot. Yeah, instead of having instead of having you know. The way I kind of look at it is if you got a if you got a guy who comes in, gets there for the summer, usually by the time you start to hit November, kind of like that, you know, you look at him, you say, okay, well, these these guys are really not freshmen anymore. You know, they've mm-hmm. had some considerable play in time. They're really not freshmen anymore. However, when you get a guy in for the spring, he goes through the spring, you got the summer, you got fall camp. Once you get through, you know, once you get about get through about four games, I think now, you know, they start to kind of shed that label. 
they shed it a little bit quicker. And so that's obviously one of the biggest uh, advantages to get these kids in during the spring is that, you know, for me, it's not, you know, being part of the scheme and understanding the scheme better and understanding what's expected of you is all important, but it also all goes into that acclimation process. You know, the acclimation process of being away from home, of being a student, of being a college student, of not having someone holding your hand every step of the way like they do in high school now. So all of that acclimation period of going to the grocery store, getting your own groceries, you know, your iron breaks and, oh, no, i got to go buy a new iron. Well, yeah, mom's not going to get it, so you got to go get it for yourself. All of those things are part of, you know, are part of maturation, are part of growing up that a lot of these kids don't really get until they get out on their own because they've been babied and because they've been nurtured for so long. You know, they've been told you're the best, you're the best, you're the best for so long. Now, you know, we, we talk about the small fish in a big sea, but, you know, you're not the best anymore. Because there are there are, there are three other guys coming in that class who are also have been told that they were the best just as long as you were, so you know that that acclimation period it, it really speeds it up, and I think it really just being there for the spring really gets these kids just off to a much quicker start. And then you don't also have as many true freshmen instead of having twenty five yeah. guys. You know you've got thirteen. You know you've got thirteen guys with you who came in in this class, and when the other ones get here. It just makes that, you know, it, it, I think it also helps the learning curve for the other guys, too, because now the, their peers, their people that they got close to throughout the recruiting process, they can ask them questions. They can go to them instead of having to go ask that, you know, that, that fourth year senior who's in the locker room and, you know, looks like he wants to bite your head off. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. And and that's definitely true. I mean, there is a point in all sports where, hey, you're not a rookie anymore. You're not a freshman. And that's why the spring practice and that early enrollment can benefit. Um, Sonny, I want to cross over into the state of Georgia here because there's a couple guys that we wanted to talk about. Obviously, Whit Weeks um, out of Watkinsville, Georgia. I got the chance to watch him, uh, you know, during my time covering recruiting in, in the state of Georgia and, and being over covering Georgia Tech. I mean, this is a kid that, you know, around the state, people respect his ability to fly around and make plays. And I know you put the quote in when he was participating in his postseason games. That was one of the big things that led to his rise is this kid just has a knack for going to find the football. And he's a guy that, you know, as he matures both physically and mentally in the game, that they felt like he could be quite the playmaker at the linebacker position for LSU. Yeah, and another early enrollee, you know, another early enrollee, you get him on campus. Obviously, he needs to put on some muscle. He needs to put on some weight. He needs to get bigger. But that flying around to the ball that you mentioned, you know, as much as LSU plays in nickel, if you've got a linebacker who can play on the second level, who can run sideline to sideline, who can cover, who can also, you know, who can do multiple things, it really gives him a better a chance to get on the field a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's what you get in Whit Weeks. You know, he was a guy I can remember when he went to the uh, he went to the Georgia camp the summer before his senior year, and went over there and really blew up. There were some who were saying that he was the best player there, period. And that's when you know he went from being okay, you know, considered a, a, a quote unquote lock with his brother already in the LSU locker room. To now, there were some people, there were some folks who were nervous. Is Georgia going to make you know? Is Georgia going to make him a priority? Is Georgia going to really go all out and throw everything at him to try to keep him, you know, to keep him at home and keep him in state. And, uh, you know, to LSU's credit, they were able to thwart that off. Uh, Georgia did make a run on him, but LSU was able to thwart that off. 
And, uh, you know, being able to get him in for the spring, just a big benefit, a big benefit mm -hmm. right there. Not necessarily from the scheme, because I don't think he's going to have a problem picking up on the scheme because he's got such a high football IQ. But just putting on that weight, you know, getting up yeah. into that 225, that 230 range where they're going to want him to be at. Uh, you know, so he was uh, he, he was one of the big gets out of uh, out of Georgia. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And of course, the other one, DJ Chester. I, I believe DJ Chester was the uh, the third highest player for LSU in the top two four seven, and mm -hmm. he was a guy who uh, who moved that uh, they re ranked him as an interior offensive lineman after he played so much on the interior at the uh, the All American Bowl and the practices leading up to that. And, and I think also with LSU looking at him as a potential center, as a potential interior offensive lineman, that kind of contributed to the move right there too. But now all of a sudden, you know, you've got the number one interior offense, offensive lineman in the country. That's that's a nice little thing to stick on your resume. And you, have, I know you have more experience, uh, you know, with Chester than I do, being that he's right there, you know, in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, this is a kid that I got the chance to watch this past fall, and, and I think the biggest knock, if there is one, look, you're talking about the number one interior offensive lineman, there's not a ton, but I think the biggest thing is the fact that, you know, he's playing at the lowest classification in the state of Georgia. Now, look, Sonny, there's people from Georgia, or we're going to sit here and say, Georgia's got the best high school football talent in the country, and the Southeast as a whole really does, um, but I think that's the knock, is when he steps up in competition, really to the SEC level. Look, when you're making the jump from private school, single-A high school football to that, wh whatever state you are, there is a question mark of where this is. So, look, you know, watching Chester, uh, you know, I know he came in around 315. He actually played up a little bit uh, to around 320, 325 this year, and that weight kind of fluctuated. I think that's going to be something where they're going to have to, you know, kind of monitor if this guy fits best inside. I'm not sure exactly the measurements, you know, arm length-wise that they love out of offensive tackles. I don't know where, you know, Chester ranks in that. But he played for a pretty successful program in Eagles Landing Christian Academy in McDonough just outside of Atlanta. Uh, this is a kid that, you know, around the state a lot of people were in on, uh, really wanted him. And, and like you talked about with Weeks, I mean, for LSU to be able to hold this off, be able to win this, you know, battle for him, uh, I like what you said. I mean, look, you you take number one interior offensive lineman, you get a kid – uh, you know, you're, you're stacking the offensive line. You get a kid with a good football IQ that could play the center position. I watched him play the center position this past year. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, and look, well, we see it in, you know, on a fall Saturday and we all get frustrated with it, Sonny, but it's one of those things where the relationship between the center and the quarterback, that was the one thing he struggled with was you know, snapping the ball and, and being more comfortable with that. And so that, that's going to come. I guarantee you, if LSU wants him to play center, He's going to be off to the side of the practice facility, practicing snapping the football and really growing that relationship with the quarterback. So it's one of those things where this is a really high IQ kid. He's very physical, um, you know, and even kind of talking with, you know, some other coaches that played, their team played against him. They said, look, this kid has really good hands. He attacks well as an offensive lineman. 
And then the last thing I'll note about it, when you play at a single-A private school, oftentimes you have to play both ways. Chester, his first two years, was another guy that played defensive line. So it's one of those things where he also understands schematically what defenses want to do, and I think that led to you know him being such a high IQ player. Yeah, and fortunately, you know, fortunately he's at a position that LSU doesn't need him to come in and to be an immediate contributor. Yeah. You know, he you've, can got, you've, got, you've got solid depth inside. And so he'll have some time. You know, it, it, he's he's not going to be forced into the same situation like we saw with Will Campbell, like we saw with Emory Jones, to where they were, you know, they had to play. They, LSU just mm-hmm. absolutely needed them to play for LSU to have a chance to, you know, to win, you know, to win any games outside of, you know, outside of a couple of random wins, the cupcakes they had, you know, outside of that. You needed Emory Jones to step up. You needed Will mm-hmm. Campbell to be that rock on the left side. LSU doesn't need DJ Chester to come in ready to play. All they need him to do is come in with a good attitude, with a good mindset, and then just see what and, and see where the chips fall from there. So that's what I like. You know that that's what I like about him and the adjustment that you mentioned. The adjustment of you know maybe he had you know he didn't have the best uh, technique when it came to snapping. Mm-hmm. Maybe he you know is still getting used to the foot to the footwork inside. Maybe he's still getting used to the punch of playing inside. And so he'll have some time to be able to kind of get acclimated to all of those uh, all of those areas that he does need to improve at. Yeah, and I think one thing, too, you talked about, you know, just getting acclimated to it. Um, you know, when you're playing at such a low level, and, and and I'll say this, I played at the same level he did, you know, not too long ago, but I was nowhere near the caliber of player that he was. It's But it is one of those things where you can get away with a lot of things when you're the best player to low classification. And so when you talk about technique, I love the fact that we're talking about LSU is getting into a spot where you don't have to say, hey, these top five kids in our class, they have to contribute day one or we're in trouble this season. As you build that depth that you have to have in this conference, um, it's it's really big for them to afford that opportunity to him. Uh, kind of one of the last guys I want to hit on, and you can add on to this, um, I know that you all were able to do this and, and watch this kid a lot, uh, Ricky Collins. Look, it's a quarterback-driven sport at this point. You know, The Heisman Trophy is one that most often goes to a quarterback. So when you look at Ricky Collins – uh, just a ten, you know, spot drop. But is it one of those? Is it another situation with like Shelton Sampson? You just don't really worry about it. You know, you get him on campus, you develop him, and he's also a guy that you cross your fingers you don't need to contribute day one in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I, I think with Ricky, I think with Ricky, it was more of a situation to where just guys entered the top. You know, guys entered yeah. the top two four seven. Um, you know, you had several who entered it, who was in that, uh, you know, in that 150, maybe 175 to two, you know, to 247 range. Mm-hmm. And so when you have several of those guys who come into it and if they're going to be higher, well, then, you know, you, you, you have to go down. And so I don't think it was, um, and, and I didn't even, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even ask Gabe Brooks this just because, you know, I, I've seen it so many times when you see a mm-hmm. minimal drop like that. You know, if a player is going to get docked, if a player is going to get docked, like Shelton Sampson uh, Jr., for instance, yeah. I believe he went from a 94 rating to a 94 rating. So, look, that's mm-hmm. a, you know, that's a, you know, if your rating changes, you know, you, there's no other way you can classify it as that he dropped. You yeah. know, he fell in the ratings. But when you look at a guy like Rick, like Ricky Collins, Caleb Jackson, Colin Jackson, guys like that, the rating didn't change. 
So you didn't all, you know, so there wasn't all of a sudden someone saying, you know what, I don't think Ricky Collins is really as good as we have him. Uh, because if that was the case, then you're going to want to adjust that rate, not just the slots that they fall into. So I, I think that that's what it was with Ricky Collins. And, and look, you know, the he didn't he didn't put up these video game stats like you see some quarterbacks mm-hmm. around the country put up 3500 yards 4000 yards whatever some of the numbers are thrown out there but he also was on an offense to where it wasn't as quarterback centric you know even though he was the best player on that side of the ball the offense wasn't just to where everything revolved around the quarterback and so, you know, I think that that combined with his team uh, faced a, a tougher schedule, faced a, faced a pretty yeah. tough schedule, you know, when you look at the teams that they play. So I think all of that probably played more into it than, than anything else. You know, as, as far as Collins, like you mentioned, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you get in there for the spring. So that's good that he's able to get acclimated. He's able to start learning the offense. You know, he's got a lot more to learn than your offensive linemen do, than your edge rushers do. He's got to make sure that he not only has to know what his responsibility is, but he needs to know what everybody else's responsibility is to where he can point them in the right direction when that true freshman on the outside doesn't line up right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Collins is going to bring a lot of the, a, a lot of those same traits to the table. And I think with him, it's just a matter of surrounding him with more talent, giving him an offensive line to where he's not having to run for his life and then allowing him to reach a comfort zone of, of processing information, processing the information, processing what he sees. If he's able to do that at a slower level and not, you know, not all, you know, now all of a sudden he's not thrown into that number two quarterback spot to where he's one injury away from getting in there. He's able to learn. He's able to take things a little bit slower. He's able to get those, those reps that no look, no quarterback wants to be the scout team quarterback. You know, Walker Howard didn't like being the scout team quarterback last year. Yeah. I get it. You know, but part of the growth process and part of, of of earning your keep, so to speak, and earning the respect of everyone else around you is going through that process, taking mm-hmm. your lumps, being the scout team quarterback. And, um, you know, so I, I think with Ricky Collins, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting any other, any other changes out of LSU's quarterback room. I think that, you know, I think LSU is going to go into 2023 with Collins, with Garrett Nussmeyer, with Jaden Daniels as your three quarterbacks. Don't really see that changing. And unless there's injuries to the first two, Collins is going to be allowed to have that, you know, to have that, that growth that he'll be able to accelerate it, but it doesn't need it. He won't need to take those steep inclines, you know, just, just keep getting a little bit better, keep getting a little bit better. And if he does that, I, I, I think he'll be fine because I think that, you know, we can look at, we can look at the, we can look at some high school quarterbacks and we can look at that and say, okay, well, you know, they're all, you know, how much more can they really get better? You know, yeah. they're, they, they've been having a quarterback coach since they were six years old They've been, you know, they've got their technique. They got everything that where when you look at Ricky Collins, you know, there's I think you still have a relatively raw quarterback. I think mm. you have an athletic quarterback. You got a quarter athletic quarterback who has a big arm. But I think he's still really trying to, you know, he's still really trying to learn the position. That's not a knock on his on, on, on his head coach at Woodlawn either, former LSU quarterback Marcus Randall. 
for uh, you know, for someone who's not as familiar with the LSU scene, he was the one who there drew the bluegrass miracle. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Hey, we learned a little bit today, right? (laughs) A little education. (laughs) Yeah. So not a knock on his coach by any means, but there's only so many hours in the day that these coaches have to be able to work with kids. And so, so I think Ricky Collins really has a, you know, he's got a lot of untapped potential that Joe Sloan is really going to be able to get into and kind of bring out. him. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. And as we kind of wrap up today's episode, um, you know, top 24-7 finalized for 2023. You know, the staff has also turned their attention to 2024. We had a junior day week kind of weekend last week. We'll have that again before the dead period sets in. Um, You know, no big, I don't think, any commitment type of a big weekend, but there's going to be some talent, some definite talent on campus. We can talk about that, obviously, a little bit later, but February 1st, for the fans that want to know, hey, you know, what is LSU going to add? And just wanted to ask you this, you know, straight up right here. Uh, Jamel Howard. I mean, I know you kind of put this out. Where does LSU, in your opinion, sit with Jamel Howard right now? I think a lot's going to determine what happens this weekend at Miami. Uh, Look, Miami, you know, I think if you're looking at it from a a strict uh, need, I think Miami has a bigger need along – and that's not saying that LSU doesn't have a need, but Mm -hmm. I think Miami has a bigger need for a guy like Jamel Howard – and so, from the depth chart perspective, Miami may look a little uh, a little more appealing. Um, and then I fully expect. I mean, look, you know, there, it's no secret; it's all over the all over the internet, the news. Miami has the ability to throw a huge NIL deal at someone yeah. if they want. You know, we we've seen it, we've seen it, we've heard yeah. about it. And so that could obviously sway things. That could obviously be a pretty big, you know, be a pretty big influencer. Uh, when it comes to him, I do not believe that it's the the overall the driving factor that he's going into this visit like, OK, whoever gives me the biggest and I most money, that's where I'm going. I don't think it's one of those situations. But, you know, if you're comparing if you're comparing two apples and, uh, you know, one of them looks better than the other one does, well, then, you, you know, it's it's very easy to look at it and say, okay, well, that person could very easily go that way, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this weekend will really be the determining factor as to where LSU uh, as to where LSU stands in this. And um, you know, you mentioned the other guys from twenty twenty four is coming in. Uh, one big one is Kolash Cobbins, the big four star edge yep. rusher out of Destrehan. Uh, you know, when you look at LSU's 2024 class, you've got the five-star Colin Simmons out of Duncanville, Texas. Huge need, huge priority. LSU would love to have him in a heartbeat. LSU would love to have Kolach Cobbins, too. The, uh, the, the, the outside edge rusher out of Destrehan. Destrehan's been great to LSU over the years to begin with. And, and, and this is a kid, when you look at, when you look at in-state in Louisiana and you look at your, you know, at, at your, your potentially biggest impact, most explosive type of players, I think Cobbins is one of them. And, uh, you know, Wardell Mack, I think, is another guy. Mm-hmm. We've got him as a three-star, and I still haven't figured out why we haven't made that investment <laughs> yet. But, you know, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep beating on that drum. But Wardell Mack's another guy like that. You know, Tylen mm-hmm. Singleton out of Manny's an interesting prospect. You know, he kind of had the Tackett Curtis route. Tackett Curtis was a safety. Then he moved up to linebacker. A lot of people think that, that Tylen Singleton will kind of uh, kind of take that same path. Um Fortunately for LSU, LSU's in a much better situation with Singleton than they ever were with Curtis. 
And so, uh, so I, I think that that one could very well have a, have a much different and a happier ending for LSU fans. But, you know, just looking at some of the guys for 2024, you know, getting Maurice Williams on campus, mm-hmm. the LSU commit out of Houston. Uh, you are going to get Xavier Atkins in, a, a kid who moved out of Jonesboro, Louisiana, relocated to outside of uh, the suburbs of Houston. He was supposed to come in. He had a death in the fan, uh, a death in his uh, in his inner circle, so he's not going to be able to make it in for that. Jalen Bell, another guy you're mm-hmm. familiar with, the 2025 cornerback, committed out of Grayson High School out in Georgia. He's supposed to come in too. So, so they'll have a they'll they'll have a small little handful of a uh, handful of guys on campus. And, and I really like this approach. You know, used to be in the past, schools would have this. They would have two or three junior days. For LSU, for instance, they would have a junior day that they would call Boys from the Boot. You just invite the, the, the big names out of Louisiana. When they would do that, you would have a kid who wouldn't get invited that, you know, well, what, you don't think that much of me? And so mm-hmm. it could create a little bit of isolation. You know, it could create some, some moments where the coaches have to, have to smooth things over. Um, and, or then you would have some junior days where they would have like 200, 300 kids on campus. And it's impossible to get anything accomplished out of that. You can meet with a select few, but then what's the part? All of these other ones, you know, they just feel like that they're just cattle going through a being shoved through a corral, you know. And so I like this approach to where you have more events scattered out and you keep it low. You know, you keep it small numbers. You keep it to where, you know, you got you got eight, 10, 12, 15 guys on campus. Now, you know, you've got a coach for each kid. As opposed to, you know, if you'd have some coaches who back in the past, you know, three or four years ago before COVID, they would go into their offensive line room to talk to the offensive linemen, and you got 45 of them in there. Yeah. You know, and, and Not so possible. I, liked, I liked a smaller, more personalized approach. And you see a lot of other schools doing this same thing, too. You know, you see a lot of them doing the same thing. And I think with visits, with official visits, with that timeline being sped up, with uh, you know, with the way that we've seen recruiting change with the spring official visits and then the summer official visits that we saw this past uh, this past summer, I think that this spring you're going to see more guys taking visits because they saw how quickly a lot of those you know the the recruiting process sped up for the 2023 mm-hmm. class. So I think you're going to see that with 2024 too. It's going to be a lot of fun, a whirlwind, a big weekend. Uh, for those kids to go down there and experience the campus as well. Sonny, appreciate it as always, man, talking recruiting, top 24-7 finalized. And next Wednesday, which will not be as exciting as it typically is, but I'll be something to keep an eye out on as well. Well, make sure to subscribe to the channel, hit that button, make sure to hit the notifications, and leave a comment what you think below about the top 24-7, and I'll make sure Sonny gets to read every single comment that you put uh, about how you feel about where LSU fell on the final day. Only the bad ones. I'll send those to Sonny, and then I'll keep the good ones. ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate it. Make sure to give us a like, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast or you're watching this today. We will see you next time, and make sure to subscribe to Go 24-7. we got some great content coming out each and every single week. And, Sonny, we're almost almost there for, for baseball season. Almost there. I joke with Glenn every time we have a podcast. I said, hey, another podcast where we don't have to talk about the men's basketball program. Oh, man, and hey, and they actually have a game they may win Saturday. (laughs) So who knows? Maybe they break the streak. Maybe they break the streak indeed. So that sounds good. But we got baseball, uh, I believe, media days today, so we're going to have some content coming out uh, in the next couple of days with that as well. We'll see you next time, and have a fantastic rest.